When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you and uh, courtesy of Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Uh, we bring you the show for the next three hours. It is called SENZ The Mornings. And this morning we have uh, Fred de Jong on, former all-white, of course, a former Sky Sport commentator and football administrator, I think it's fair to add in as well, on the battle for relegation, which uh, we've just seen an amazing three matches completed uh, in the EPL and all of the teams involved are relegation threatened or are they now after this morning's results? We'll talk to Fred about that. Champions League uh, semi-finals, of course, uh, starting uh, tomorrow and uh, the second one on Thursday. Uh, we'll get uh, a little bit of reaction from NRL boss uh, Graham Annesley and his response uh, to uh, Jason Paris. Uh, um, that was uh, after his uh, monthly Monday sorry, briefing to the media. Every Monday he feels as if he has to front the media about uh, various refereeing issues over the weekend. That maybe says something in itself, doesn't it? Uh, George Berry after 9.30. Uh, George, of course, is an NBA pundit. Uh, he's also a member of a very handy band, too. Uh, Brock Gilchrist, this is a good one. Uh, Brock Gilchrist, Kiwi racing driver. Uh, Brock had uh, a massive uh, weekend of motorsport, winning the 2023 Toyota 86 Championships. And uh, the last race was very, very nerve-wracking for him. We'll find out about uh, that with uh, Brock just after 10 o'clock. Um, NRL360 comments, uh, audio from Braithen Astor, Paul Kent, James Hooper and Brent Reid on NRL360. Gee, they rave about that show, don't they? Um, they're saying in this country, uh, why don't we have a rugby show as good as the NRL360? Mm, very interesting. Um, don't know why we don't. Uh, Alex Pledger, what a great story this is. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll feature him on the sports desk. Uh, Jacob Emery. Now, Jacob Emery is a very interesting man with an interesting story. Jacob Emery um, was, um, I guess you'd call him, um, just a run-of-the-mill uh, worker in Wellington uh, with his wife, and they decided, hell, I might build some clay tennis courts. Just what the heck of it. And why rapper of all places? He's done that. They're beautiful facilities. New Zealand Tennis is using them to prepare players going overseas to play on clay. It is a great story. It really is, and tennis needs a shot in the arm. Jacob Emery certainly, certainly done that when it comes to um, clay court tennis in particular, but giving variety and a facility nowhere else like it in New Zealand. Um, so, Kevin Campion was uh, with Staffy on afternoons uh, yesterday. Um, Kevin Campion, too, will get a, a little bit of feedback on him on how... Uh, he perceived the, the refereeing of the Warriors, and particularly in his time with the club. Uh, also at uh, 11.30, actually, 11.30, uh, Ag Insights. Ag Insights with uh, Araha Hathaway, of course, because it's Tuesday, and that's what we do on Tuesday at 11.30. <laughs>
Well, every time uh, when we get towards the middle to the end of May, we get fascinated by um, the EPL. We look at the table uh, and we see who's in contention to win it, but uh, just as equally important, and for those clubs down the bottom, who's going to take the drop? Who is going to take the drop this year? And this morning we saw three fascinating matches involving teams, all threatened with just that. Uh, to talk about uh, those games, uh, of course, uh, the Champions League uh, semi-final starting this week, big week in football, is uh, Fred de Jong. He's uh, regular on the show. Thanks, uh, Fred, for joining us. Football administrator, commentator, etc. And uh, as I keep saying, Otahonga's favourite son. Fred, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Smitty. How you going, man? I'm good. Now, I'll just read you these scores, then I'll ask you a question. Fulham 5, Leicester 3. Brighton 1, Everton 5. Nottingham Forest 4, Southampton 3. 21 goals this morning in three games. Does that tend to suggest you these sides might have defensive problems? <laughs> yeah. that's, why, that's why their goal differences are like minus 25, <laughs> minus 15. Like that, they've conceded 60 goals in the year. It's like, come on, boys, I know which end of the pitch you're meant to be working on. Oh, <laughs> God. God. It was just great result. And great result for Everton, though. Whew. Man, that's what a, about that? that uh, the five-one, the five-one over Brighton, because that uh, that certainly releases uh, a bit of pressure on them. And I think that's the first time they've been out of the actual drop zone for months. And so, yeah, so for them, that's uh, for Sean Dyke and his uh, and his crew. That's a that's a huge huge relief. And um, yeah, may, may, maybe maybe they'll. Uh, a massive club like Everton will be safe, and um, they're fa- facing the drop for the first time in their history, which is a um, pretty amazing achievement as well. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they're two points clear of uh, the drop zone at the moment. Uh, the bottom three places occupied by Leicester, Leeds and Southampton, and Nottingham Forest with uh, a really nervy victory this morning, 4-3 over Southampton. have given themselves just a little bit of breathing space, but I still believe... Mathematically, I'd say West Ham are probably safe now because of the number of teams below them. But my God, it's uh, it's been a, uh, probably <laughs> it's been an incredible story of of um, poor performance and failure, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was watching the West Ham Man U game, um, and boy, like Man Man U were poor, like toothless, um, unbelievably toothless. But um, and they got and West Ham got gifted a goal by um, De Gea, you know, the ball just bobbled over his arm. Um, but, you know, for David Moyes, you take what you can get, man. And, yeah, they, they uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, from, from a club like that, it's, it is amazing to see them so far, far down the table. But, yeah, safe now. I think, um, what was it, mathematically, the 18th, the average of the 18th place, the points is 35.2, I read the other day. So 36 makes you safe, so West Ham sitting on 37, um, should be uh, pretty much safe, um, and everyone else is just trying to get to that 36 mark, which I think would be probably, um, again, about um, safety, so so yeah, and as you say, it's going to be a tight, tight race, and it's going to go right to the last day, always does. Which is a fascinating last day, because every match kicks off at the same time, and nothing can be influenced by anything, people sit in the grandstands with transistors or their phones, etc. These days, it was transistors in the old days, but phones yeah. these days, just <laughs> looking at rivals up the road and see how they're getting on as well. It's an amazing atmosphere, the last day of Premier League football. The significance of staying up, Fred, uh, I think that that shouldn't be uh, overlooked. It's, 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 you know, we're looking at the, the club 
um, the profile of the club, but the finances of the club as well, and the yeah. ability to retain players. Yeah, oh, it's, you know, tens and tens of millions of dollars. Um, to you know, it, that's what the equation's all about. Um, players, obviously, and then you've got uh, all the players, or a lot of your players will be sitting there with contracts that say, "If we get relegated, I can leave." Um, so suddenly, you've got you know all your all your best cattle suddenly looking out the out the door, trying to get themselves back into the shop window of the Premier League. Um, so yeah, it's for for clubs. It's, it's not just oh look, you know, like in the old days, it's probably oh look, you know, it's not great, but you know, we carry on and we battle on and and this sort of thing. But nowadays, it's like it's um, yeah, it's such a massive um, sort of negative for for the team, for the for the club and the and the region that that you're in. Um, so so yeah, it's it's much much wider than just oh, yeah, we're going we're going to get relegated. And you can see that in in what's happening um, for the with those teams at the bottom. You know, Sam Allardyce comes in five hundred thousand pounds. Um, minimum, if, even if they get relegated, they're going to pay him five hundred thousand pounds for four games. Um, you know, and if he if he keeps them up, two and a half million pounds he's going to get for like a month's work. And you're going, that's pretty good money. That's that's your money, Smithy. That's your money, mate. <laughs> After tax, <text>. yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> is lost in the rounding, mate. <laughs> Fred, look, let's uh, just go slightly further up the table, shall we? And have a look at a club like Chelsea. What a uh, horrible oh. season, a horrible time it's been for Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, everyone will be, would, would be looking, all the Chelsea supporters will be looking back at the Abramovich era and going, boy, I wish he was back here. Um, and, and I think that's, that's sort of synonymous with, you know, with how um, the... With those top top clubs, you know the the money that sits behind the top clubs, because it all it is all just a financial equation, you know. And you can see that with Newcastle, they get a year and a half ago they get Saudi money, um, and suddenly they're in the in the Champions League, you know, for the first time. So it's no it's no great secret that it's just it's it is all about how much money that you have at your disposal, and uh, and then and Chelsea, I mean Chelsea's, you know, you, um, Abramovich sells the club. And suddenly, you know, I think the, the wheels start falling off and they can't hold the whole thing together, probably because he's not sitting there or there's not someone sitting there just pumping unlimited funds into the club when they need it. And, um, and now you're seeing, you know, the, the, the revolving door of the, of the manager's um, seat. Um, you know, Frank Lampard's in there at the moment. Um, got his first win in like six games or something um, the other day. So, yeah, there's a club that has to rebuild from the bottom. And it'll be interesting to see who they end up with as their manager next year, and 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 mainly how how about how are they going to um, go about rebuilding the club? Because at the moment, if you were a player and you were being, you know, you're looking at the Premier League or being asked to go and play in the Premier League, who would you, you know? The, obviously, you want to go to Man City as the as the plum club mm. to go to. Man City, possibly Arsenal, but Chelsea's not a very attractive proposition. So they'll find it harder to attract players. So they'll have to pay more. To get those players, so there's, you know, your position on the league also dictates the, how which players want to, what are are attracted to come to your club from from offshore and and also from within England. It is Manchester City's, um, I think, competition or, or championship to lose. Uh, I I think uh, if I look at the though, they've got four games to go. They have a game in hand on Arsenal. They sit at the moment one point clear of them. 
They have Everton, Chelsea, Brighton and Brentford at home. Uh, oh, sorry, to, to go. Three of those are away yeah. games, actually. Um, really speaking, um, I, I, all those four matchups with Chelsea in particular being so poor at the moment, Everton desperate, I guess, and um, and they'll be giving it everything, and that's a home game for Everton. That that draw is, shouldn't frighten Manchester City coming in, should it? No, 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 no. I think the biggest the biggest impediment to Man City is the Champions League. Um, you know, so I think that the, the focus of the Champions League. They never won it before. Guardiola, you know, lost the sure he lost the final last year. Um, you know, tinkering with the side um, when they everyone it was odds on. They thought everyone thought that Man City were going to lift that trophy for the first time um, last year. Um, they're up against Real Madrid, who are going to come second in the in La Liga this year, um, but are playing quite well and have and have a, um, a bunch of guys in their team who can really influence games. They have a lot of pace. They've got Karen Benzema up top. Um, so not a, not a given for, um, for Man, Man City that game. Um, and then obviously, but I think the, the semi-final against Real Madrid is almost the final because you've got um, the, on the other side, the other semi-final, Inter Milan and um, AC Milan playing. So probably not a scary proposition for the final. Um, but that Real Madrid game for Man City is a huge distraction. And I think that would be the only thing that would derail um, Man City's um, title aspirations. But, you know, I, I can't, you can't see that now. That game against Arsenal, when they absolutely unraveled Arsenal um, a couple of weeks ago, was sort of the, the, the tipping point for the competition. And I think you know, Man City will lift the trophy. Arsenal, who've had a, an amazing season, um, will just come in behind them. Yeah, Arsenal uh, have three games. Uh, they've got uh, one at home against Brighton, <clears throat> then two uh, away against Nottingham Forest. That could be a massive game, that, uh, for Forest, not mm. so much Arsenal, but uh, and Wolves away. So a relatively tame run-in for them as well, but damage done in the last month, probably. Yeah, and we're second best against Man City, and you, could, you, know, you, saw, you absolutely saw the difference there. Um, Arsenal couldn't handle the pressure that Man City put on them in that game. Uh, and so, they, you know, against lesser teams who don't press as high, um, you know, Arsenal just play around them. They've kept the ball better than any other team in the competition, and that includes Man City um, throughout the year. But against Man City, they couldn't, they couldn't play the way they wanted to play or have been playing all season. And, and again, looked like really lightweight up front. And, and you can see, you, know, you saw the difference there between having someone like Gabriel Jesus up front versus having um, Haaland up front. You know, it was just like, yeah, it was chalk and cheese on, on that day. And then with Kevin De Bruyne running in behind and Jack Grealish down the other wing, boy, you know, and now, and now you've got um, Phil Foden back in. I mean, you look at the players that Man City have at their disposal and you're just going, man, must be nice to coach that side. Um, and again, but, they, but again, that just comes down to money. It's just the dollars equation. So, so yeah. Fred, you're a striker. Uh, you're a target man up front uh, with your height, etc. Um, I'm not quite sure. I've watched a lot of uh, British football over the years. I don't think I've seen a bigger, more imposing target than Haaland. Can you? Um, oh, who would? Oh, what was that guy's name? Um, no, no, but not 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 in the same way. Not in the same way. He's he's a. I mean, he's a bit of a freak. Um, and 
and he's just he's he's found himself in a team that will just give him the ball can can manipulate the ball in the right areas of the field and um and and then he's just there to finish and it's it's actually interesting when you just watch him and the way he doesn't get involved in the play much he just he's just there and there there around the penalty area and he's just fin- he's just a great great finisher and um he doesn't score amazing well one or two spectacular goals through the year but they're not amazing goals there are, a lot of them are tap-ins on the back post headers on the back post but the delivery into the box is amazing and he gets himself in the right positions um, because Man City have had players play in that same position who aren't as effective um, but he has the pace the strength you know the the aerial ability just to finish off all these moves and uh and, and then sometimes, you know, his combination play, he holds the ball up quite well, um, but his combination play with, as I said, with De Bruyne especially, is, um, mm. is very, very good. And, uh, yeah, he's, boy, he's, and he, he, not many players have ever been on a scoring run like he's on at the moment. It's unbelievable. No, not many. He's gone past Andy Cole, and uh, Andy Cole had a, uh, a longer season, I think it's fair to say, too. Uh, Fred, what about yeah. your Barcelona? have just romped away with La Liga this year. Very <laughs> impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're rebuilding um, from the days of uh, Messi. So, you know, they, they, they're in finan- they were in financial strife a couple of years ago, had to sell Messi, um, and so rebuilding from that point. Um, so... Yeah, we'll just see. I mean, at the moment, they're, they're almost like just another team um, when, when their slogan's more than a club. And it's like, yeah, man, I think you're just, just another club at the moment. Um, so um, we'll see. We'll see. You know, they've, they've pulled in Lewandowski, but we'll see what they, can, what they can do over the next couple of years. They have to do well in Champions League. And that, that's sort of the benchmark for clubs like yeah. uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid and like. Um, I think some of the other subplots, in the, especially in EPL, will be interesting over the summer. Like, your Harry Kane, mate, is he going to go to Man U? That'll be the big question, the big talking point for the, for the off-season, I think. Yeah, it will be. Um, I don't think so. Um, you know, I mean, once Spurs, always Spurs. I've always found over the years, Fred, to be perfectly honest. Here's a, here's, here's a question coming specifically for Fred. Does Fred think that Gareth Bale will play for Wrexham? No, I don't think so. I think uh, it would be a fantastic story, um, but I think Gareth Bale's more focused on his golf now. I think uh, <laughs> it would be a lovely because that is, I mean, the the, the Ryan Reynolds thing is is was so um, it's such a joyous sort of story. A guy who comes in, sort of buys a club for the hell of it, and then you know, and then just goes on this amazing ride and really enjoys it. Just someone who is just really enjoying like the the football for for like the first time and you and you look at him in in the early you know for the for the games when he first started and he's jumping around in the in the owner's box and 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 that and he's just it's just a good fun time for him and probably now it'll start getting cynical and that's the that's the sad bit because it does it always does you know and now they're in the in the in the fourth tier um it'll be like the players will want you know who do I have to get um, you know, and the money involved and all this sort of stuff and the, the ups and downs. And, and, you know, I think the cynicism might start coming into it, which, which is a bit sad, but that's reality. But um, just for a year, it's been such a really, uh, a really good story, a really nice football-loving story, which, um, 
which has been amazing for the, the, the city of Wrexham. So, you know, something to look back and go, that was good, that was nice, that's football. Yep. I was there when it happened. Absolutely brilliant, Fred. Uh, great to catch <laughs> up with you. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it's uh, the next, um, what, two weeks will be absolutely fascinating yeah. in the EPL, uh, particularly yeah. at the bottom of the table. I, I look forward to it. <laughs> Tears for your time, Matt. Have a, have a terrific awesome, day. Mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks Cheers, uh, Fr- Thanks, Fred De Jong there, uh, looking at the, the bottom of the table, the top of the table, a uh, little bit of us of uh, Barcelona, and uh, also, of course, uh, we were talking about uh, the Champions League, which uh, starts tomorrow morning. First game is uh, Real Madrid hosting Manchester City, and then you've got uh, AC Milan, Inter Milan on Thursday. Talk about a local derby and the world's biggest foot- football competition. Pretty special. 9.23 here on SENZ. Experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. All right, okay. Uh, yes, uh, we got a text in yesterday from uh, Sam, uh, very late in the piece, so I read it out this morning. Uh, not sure if you saw it or not, but a few tackles before... Ford went to the bin. Uh, I say, yeah, hip dropped uh, Sifakula, which wasn't called because he uh, offloaded and uh, Charles Nicol Clockstead knocked on. It was far worse than Ford's tackle, but with no injury, it wasn't even a penalty. The hip drop was a mess. All we asked for is consistency, and nothing is ever consistent when the Warriors play. Good on Paris for taking a stand. Someone outside the club needed to for it to be brought to light. Well, it certainly has done that. It has certainly brought that to light. Um, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Keep those ticks coming in, double eight, double three. There'll be a, one happy bunch of uh, blokes, I can tell you right here and now about all the skafuffle, and that'll be the rugby refs. Everyone's leaving them alone this week. Um, so, you know, they can just get on and do what they do. Uh, but this, um, you know, it just shows you how much, um, how much notice people are now taking of the Warriors. Not that they didn't in the past, but renewed interest, I think. Renewed interest in the Warriors from different angles. Uh, people that weren't watching them in the past uh, are watching them now. People are studying the game of league more than they used to study. Um, and um, I, I listened to uh, Henry Perinara with the boys this morning. And I don't think he was ever very highly rated as a referee, Henry Perinara. I'm, I'm not. I, I often thought, well, he's the token Kiwi guy in amongst the NRL referees. I'm not sure the NRL ever uh, rated uh, Henry Perinara very good, but they'll stick together. Of course they will. Uh, the bloke I did like, um, Jonathan, I'll have to go back to it and think who it is, but there's a rugby ref, uh, Jonathan Kaplan. Uh, Jonathan Kaplan, who um, actually has a, either a website, or, but he's very, very, um, very forward um, in terms of uh, his opinion on referees' performances, particularly high-profile referees. He's the go-to guy, and he's not scared, not scared whatsoever uh, to have a crack. I, I, I just... It's, it's an, it is an interesting issue. Now, as I said, I don't know what reaction there'll be from the referees' union as such. There is one, apparently. Whether they'll turn around and go real hard on the Warriors and go dog on them, I do not know. Uh, they shouldn't. Uh, they should just go out and referee a game as they see it, uh, regardless of any reaction prior to or any potential reaction afterwards. Uh, they should, and they get a lot of help these days with the bunker, with their assistants, etc., more so than they've ever had in the past. Um, so it, it's amazing how a, one group of people can see th- things so differently to another group of people. Sure, there's emotion involved. 
um, there's um, you know there's support involved etc but it just continues to amaze me um, and often I when I was uh, commentating I'd say what are they looking at that we're not seeing what are they looking at that we're not seeing when they make some of these decisions answer is I'm led to believe nothing we all see the same thing 9.31 here on SCNZ There's no mistaking the sounds of round ball rock. It's time to talk basketball again here on SENZ because it's a crucial time of the year with the NBA playoffs well into their second round and it's uh, also time to bring back one of our favourites, that being NBA pundit George Berry. Uh, Good morning to you, George. And before we get into the hoops, you play drums. You're also uh, one of the voices for the Butlers. What is the band doing, if anything, for New New Zealand Music Month? Smithy, uh, hope all is well with you, mate, and uh, happy NBA playoff season to you. Uh, in terms of music month at the moment, we're actually not doing too much, to be honest. A couple of our band members are currently um, surfing and living in an RV in Mexico, so we're kind of just riding our next album and, and relaxing. Our bass player's just had a baby girl, and um, I've got a one-year-old at home that's uh, keeping me very busy. So we're very much just appreciating all the good news on music that we've got you know, surrounding us and, and on the airwaves and um, enjoying that. And, yeah, just writing our next project for now. And, um, yeah, got a lot a lot of time to watch NBA playoffs, so can't complain. Yeah. I was just going to say, sounds cool, George, which means you can, uh, I guess, uh, sit at home with the excuse of having a one-year-old on your knee and watching a little bit of NBA basketball, and there was plenty to look at yesterday. Some great uh, matchups at the moment. The Phoenix Suns um, involved in some drama yesterday uh, with uh, Nikola Jokic and the ownership of Matt uh, Ishbia. They looked like they had a, a courtside run, and this was interesting. And someone was ejected as a result of that for putting a hand on Jokic. I saw. Yeah, things got a little bit uh, prickly in the land of the uh, the cactus in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, uh, it was a bit of a strange one. Matt Ishbia kind of took over quite recently in, um, in the ownership group and immediately, within 24 hours of being owner, um, you know, made that trade for Kevin Durant, which is obviously paying dividends at the moment. Uh, the news has come in probably in the last 10, 15 minutes that Nicole Jokic won't be suspended. He's been fined $25,000, and I think if he was to be suspended, um, there would have been a lot of angry fans, you know, not just fans of of the Nuggets, but fans of Arsenal in general, because we want to see the best players playing at this time of the season, especially when Nikola Jokic, you know, a two-time MVP, scores 53 points and dishes out 11 assists and a loss. He, he is an incredible player, um, quite a, an unorthodox player. He's, you know, Shaq called him yesterday uh, the best centre in the league. Uh, I tend to agree. He, he's not yet... You know, you're strong, dunker, you know, breaking, you know, backboards and stuff. He, he is a very, he plays a lot of finesse, you know, teardrops from 14 feet and, and likes to, um, you know, kind of work his way into the post. And, and, and he's just so troubling for, for players, you know, 280 pounds, seven foot Serbian player, um, just full of strength, full of finesse. Um, what a game. I'm really enjoying this series. I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I am. Just two incredible offensive teams. Um, and I'm glad it's it's levelled at two two now. Um, you know, I'm hoping this this, this series goes to seven. Um, I don't really have a preference for who wins, but 
you've got you look at Phoenix at the moment. Devin Booker is playing absolutely out of his skin. Uh, in the last two games, he's he's exploded for 83 points and he shot 79.1 percent from the floor, which is just absurd. You know, and, and then you've got Kevin Durant, who's also scoring 36 points, um, and they've finally got some contributions off the bench. I think in the first two games, they had just I think it was not even 20 points combined from their bench, and last night they got 40. Um, so that was really good to see. Um, I think it will come down to whose bench can provide the most because you've got stars in each game. You've got Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic for the Nuggets, and then you've got, of course, Durant and Booker for the Phoenix Suns, who I've just mentioned. Um, if they can fire, they're always going to fire on any given night, but it's actually up to the bench to see what happens. Um, it's a really, really good series. And um, a special shout-out to Jock Lander, the Australian who is in mm. Phoenix Suns. Um, he only scored eight points and five rebounds, but... Just made a massive impact off the bench. Uh, you know, a lot of hustle, a lot of rebounding. Um, so, yeah, it's good to see him contributing and getting some good minutes. Uh, the other fascinating matchup, of course, is uh, Lakers and the Warriors, which uh, they're all fascinating, but this is a very high-profile one because you've got LeBron v. Curry. Um, and uh, at this stage, uh, Warriors 2-1 down in the series. Massive, massive game today for them. Yeah, huge. Um, and it, it kind of all comes down to Anthony Davis, to be quite honest with you. Um, and I think that the person that is going to stop him from having an impact on the quarters is himself. It's kind of, uh, there's a pattern at the moment. He has a, a really dominant game. I think in the first game on the road, he had 36 and 23 or something ridiculous and then had a stinker and then had a great game again and then had another bad game. So, um it's kind of him that's stopping him from making an impact and, and kind of taking over the series. The Warriors just don't have anyone of his calibre, size and skill that can match up with him. And um, Darvin Ham, Lakers coach, has, has kind of found some really good matchups that work. He's put a um, power forward Jared Vanderbilt from the Lakers on Stephen Curry quite a bit, um, which is, is paying dividends for them. And it's really interesting to see how LeBron James is, is making an effect in this series. Um, it's clear that ages is taking a toll and they're playing a game every other night so they're only getting one day's rest between these massive games which is going to take an effect on them especially given that he's had a, a serious foot injury that he's you know kind of playing through it kind of seems like he's, he's saving you know his energy for certain parts of the game and just kind of cooling off in other parts as opposed to just going you know full full energy the whole game it's really, really interesting to see. I heard a couple of pundits compare it to how Tom Brady was exerting his energy later into his career. So I wouldn't, you know, put it past him. LeBron putting, you know, a lot of thought and science into this. He, he puts, you know, I think he spends up to a million dollars a year just on his conditioning of his body. So I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron is putting that much thought into it just so he can, you know, exert as much energy and impact into the game as possible. Sixers and Celtics. Um, massive game yesterday, finished in overtime. Uh, series tied at two all. How do you see this one now? I think the Celtics are pretty good at stitching themselves up, to be honest. Um, near the end of the game there, I think they had maybe even two timeouts, and with 15 seconds left in the game, they just played it. And, look, I respect it. You know, they, they back themselves to, to try and win the game without calling a timeout and, and calling a set play. But when you've got a timeout there, they don't carry over the next game like Charles Barkley said yesterday on the TNT broadcast. You may as well use it, right? So, um, head coach Joe Mazzola, it's his first year. I mean, he's been an assistant for a while, but a lot of people are questioning his tactics and 
some of the players are even saying that their their offense is just very loose and, and frantic. And I don't know if those are the best words that you want your players to be describing your offense as this late into the playoffs. And when you've got James Harden playing, you know, like that, it's hard to stop him. So essentially, if he can do it, it's kind of similar to Anthony Davis. It seems like he's having one great game and then one shocker and kind of going in that way pattern. But uh, Joel Embiid is coming back from a bit of an injury but with his size and skill. Um, it's hard to stop them, but I don't know. It's really hard to, to see how this one will go. I think it'll go seven. I believe they're going back to Boston tomorrow, so um, I hope it goes to seven because it's a, it's a cracker of a series, and I think whoever comes out of that one will be serious contenders to make it all the way to the finals. And just finally, um, with you, George, uh, Jimmy Butler. Uh, it's all about Jimmy Butler, I think. I mean, his form in the playoffs and leading into the playoffs, absolutely outstanding. Um, and at the moment, his heat lead uh, the Knicks 2-1. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is crazy. I mean, they're an eighth seed. They, they barely make a play-in tournament as a 10 seed, I think, you know. Somehow make it through, and now they're beating the fifth seed Knicks and, you know, very much have a path to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They beat the Bucks, who, you know, were the title favourites. Um, it's just absurd. I, I People have always said that Jimmy Butler is just a playoff player and, and, you know, kind of cruises through the regular season and maybe you like it or not, that's pretty much how it is. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's paying off now, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, at the end of this series, Jimmy Butler will kind of cruise back in the shoes and have a couple of cold beers and, and look back at what he's done because it is simply absurd that he's carrying this team with you know, Tyler Hero, who's essentially probably the second best player out with a broken wrist, I think, and I don't think he's going to be back unless they make the NBA Finals, which is a possibility at this stage. I mean, nothing nothing is um, out of the realm of possibility with this team with what they've already achieved, and I think that I see them beating the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks have, you know, the tools to, to stop Jimmy Butler, and they've just got a lot of just fiery, you know, undrafted players with a, a chip on their shoulder, and I think the Knicks are also just shooting themselves in the foot because we've got Jalen Brunson, who you know is their key player. He's battling a couple of injuries. Julius Randle is a hothead, and he's a great player, but he kind of psychs himself out of a lot of games just with his temper. So I see the Heat getting through that, and I would I would say it would be a Celtics Heat Eastern Conference Finals, and I think the Lakers will beat the Warriors, and um, Vegas has Lakers versus Celtics as the finals prediction at the moment. Um, of course, they're going to pick LeBron and the Lakers as favourites to try and attract more bets. But I don't see that as, a, as out of the question, to be honest, Smithy. And if that happens, then we're going to be having some serious conversations about you know LeBron's legacy going forward. I look forward to those conversations, George, as I always look forward to uh, talking to you. Uh, enjoy your downtime, um, music-wise, and uh, we'll catch up soon, mate. Um, uh, more, more interesting action today to talk about. Thank you, mate. I appreciate your time. Cheers, Matthew. Go well, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, go well. George Berry there with his uh, views on the NBA playoffs as they sit at the moment and forecasting for ahead. 9.44 here on SCNZ. And are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold Know when to fold Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
Uh, had success yesterday. The Phoenix Suns did beat Denver $1.66. The Dodgers beat the Padres at a buck eighty, And overnight, the Kolkata Knight Riders did beat uh, the Punjab Kings at $1.87. So it's a $5.58 result. Going to go a little bit more miserly today. Uh, Miami Heat to beat the New York Knicks on the back of uh, George Berry talking about Jimmy Butler there. So that's $1.52. Uh, the Lakers uh, to beat Golden State. I like the uh, matchup there at $1.62. Yes, all about AD, the big man. And the Yankees to beat the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's have had a pretty poor start to the season. The Yankees' bats should just overpower them at $1.46. So uh, that multi, uh, the Heat, the Lakers, the Yankees into $3.59, that would be. Um, so uh, look forward to seeing if that one can come home. Uh, plenty of text still coming on uh, about the rugby league. Uh, Toby, yep, uh, we understand uh, why your girlfriend calls you Arsenal, which is very good. Um, and uh, Kevin has come in and said, Morning Smithy, just on the NRL refereeing saga, I think uh, just get on play the game and score more tries than the opponent. The refs are doing their best. Any other references guessing a wee bit? Sometimes we make comments at 7pm and send. It's the 11am comment I would listen to. Uh, level thinking on the racing awards. What a fabulous night for our achievers. Uh, up uh, every morning, 4am, day in, day out, preparing for yet another week of performance. They deserve every app- accolade they get. Hard-working and very successful businesses. That uh, probably deserves more recognition. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate your text. It's 9.51. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, you know the story, don't you? Uh, this has uh, all come from uh, Jason Paris, really, who's uh, the CEO of uh, One New Zealand. Um, and his uh, initial um, social media comments uh, about the refereeing display at the weekend. Todd Smith was the name of the referee, just by the by. Um, and, uh, of course, it was uh, when you start uh, levelling, um, not allegations, but you start hinting at um, people taking money or having bets or whatever uh, to... Uh, particularly as, as an official, um, you know, t- to favour one side or the other, you, know, you can get yourself in seriously hot water. Uh, remains to be seen just how hot the water will be for Jason Paris, but it was always going to be uh, that the rugby league refs were going to come out and stick up for themselves. And that's exactly what happened from their boss, Graham Annesley, on Monday's briefing to the media. There is no comment that could be worse than the type of comment that we've seen over the last 24 hours in relation to the integrity of the game. We can question their decision making. I have no problem with that. We can't question their integrity because it not only does it question the integrity of the people who are out on the field making the decisions, it questions the integrity of the entire NRL administration uh, because we put these people on the field. They don't appoint themselves to games. They were appointed to games by the NRL, by the governing body of the game, and if anyone thinks that we would, for any second, put someone on the field that we thought wasn't doing other than the very best job they can do to the best of their ability by being as completely impartial as a referee is required to be, then that is also an attack on the administration of the game. So. Absolutely am I going to stand up for the referees in this particular case and there are many times where I'm the first to put my hand up and say the referees have made errors. I've demonstrated that today, I demonstrate it every time I stand up here and do this every week. But when they're, when they're attacked unnecessarily 
without cause, their decision making can be questioned, but their integrity cannot be attacked, and we won't allow it to be attacked. I can go probably to eight losing clubs on any given week, and they'll all tell me they didn't get the rub of the green. This is not something that is peculiar to a team in New Zealand, or anywhere else for that matter. Every club, when they lose, they all believe that the so-called 50-50 decisions, whatever that is, um, didn't go their way. And, you know, regularly clubs will send in playlists, that's, you know, video edits of incidents in the game that they want the referees, coaches to come back to them with explanations. And the Warriors, to their credit, they've contacted me today and they want to come and do exactly that later in the week and we'll do that and we'll go sit down and we'll go through uh, each of those incidents with them. And uh, some will agree and some will disagree. We'll put our hands up on some, some will defend. That's always been the system. Referees get dropped when they make major errors. If their form isn't good, they get dropped, just like players. But this rubbish about they're unaccountable, they're protected species, well, yes, we will protect them when they're attacked unnecessarily uh, and when they're attacked unjustly. We're not going to just sit back idly and allow their integrity and the integrity of the administration of the game and the integrity of rugby league to be attacked without justification. Smithy, I'll just say very quickly, that press conference went for 45 minutes. Minutes 14 to 40 was all about the Warriors. That's how strongly they feel about it. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, keep the text coming in. Double eight, double three. We're going to go to the news. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, we love a feel-good sports story here on SENZ in the mornings, and they don't get too much better than uh, Kiwi Motorsport Young Gun working hard to achieve his goals and finally see them come to fruition. And that's uh, what we're seeing with Brock Gilchrist. 19-year-old won the uh, Toyota 86 Championship over the weekend, and there was plenty of uh, drama attached to that, just by the by. Uh, with that, he has uh, unlocked some exciting career opportunities, and he joins us now on SENZ in the mornings. Uh, Brock, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. Firstly, um, we have to ask you this. Uh, how long's the history of the family history of motor racing? Because uh, Peter Brock... Peter Brock, Peter Perfect, Brock Gilchrist, any connection there? Yeah, yeah, so obviously growing up, um, Dad was massively into motorsport, hence hence my name, Brock. Um, he's a big fan of the, the supercars over in Australia, so um, it's, it's cool to, to get this prize and, and um, you know, represent, represent New Zealand and uh, the Tony Quinn Foundation in this, in this car. Well, we were talking to uh, Stephen McIver yesterday, who's uh, a big fan of what you've achieved this season, but he was telling us apparently you almost didn't race this year. What's the story behind that? Yeah, well, we were running quite low on budget. We were struggling to find sponsorship for the season, and we pulled it together in about three weeks before the championship, and I'm just super grateful to everyone that's, that's helped, um, uh, especially Nixon Tyre and, and Toyota New Zealand. Um, it's, it's been awesome to, to have everyone involved and, and help back me throughout this year. 
So, Brock, can you give us a, a ballpark figure of uh, how much budget you need to, to compete um, in Toyota 86? Um, it depends it Depends on your season, really. It depends on damage and, and all that. But it's, it, it definitely gets up there. You know, motorsport's, motorsport's not cheap. So it's, it's a struggle trying to find sponsorship, especially uh, in such a small country like New Zealand. So uh, trying to get out of, out of New Zealand is, is the main goal, but we'll, we'll see how we go. Right, you, you went into this last race of the season. Um, all you basically had to do was uh, finish, but um, it, it looked at one point as that that might not be the case, uh, particularly uh, with an incident on the first lap. Uh, talk us through that and the nerves going through the rest of the race. Yeah, well, the last race, we knew we had about a six-step point gap. Um, so so we had a, a decent margin to, to play with. So I started off third. It was mainly just about keeping my nose clean throughout the entire race. And um, unfortunately, that one, I got uh, spun and, and then collected on the way through. So my car was damaged throughout the entire race because it was on lap one. So it was just about nursing at home. Um, I think at one point, we, we almost got lapped, but... It's just about finishing the race because I knew if I finished the race, then I, I had enough to win the championship. And luckily, the car made it home with, with a, a severe amount of damage on it. Um, but we're lucky enough to finish and and end with an 11-point gap to second place in the championship. So it's it's awesome to be able to take out the championship. And the prize this year was unbelievable with a um, a race in a GT4 Supra. So just for, for those of us that um, aren't too au fait with um, driving a damaged car as such, um, uh, what kind of damage did you have? And, and, you know, was there any threat you might not be able to complete the race with that damage or were you confident always that as long as you avoided any other contact, etc., you'd be fine? Um, well, the main issue was the fact I lost ADS. Like, um, those cars, when you lose ADS, it's, it's like nothing else you really experience it's like you you break and it and it just locks up straight away it's it's quite hard to manage so the the car was driving in a somewhat straight line but it was more just trying not to to lock up and and end up stuck in the gravel or anything so like as i managed to nurse it and I, I knew the car would make it well i was hoping the car would make it at least and it, it did so i'm just thankful for that and counting my lucky stars do you have uh, all the communications back to the pit? Or, I mean, was there any communica- If you do, was there any communication as to the fact of uh, what you were going to do? Um, well, we actually got really unlucky in that last race. I wasn't able to talk to my engineer. He could talk to me, but I couldn't talk to him. My, um, I'm not sure what entirely happened, but I lost communication to him. So he had no idea what the car was like, but I could hear what he was saying. Right, let's uh, look at the um, significance of what you've achieved here and uh, obviously you're a family unit um, and um, mum, your mother Ursula, um, tell us about her reaction to uh, you winning this championship. Yeah, well, um, my mum is, is stoked. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was cool watching her interviews on the TV. Um, just shows how much it, it means to, to her and me, you know, losing my dad. Uh, five years ago I didn't think that I'd continue racing but mum um, especially has just worked so hard to make sure that I can continue living my dream and, and my father's dream um, so I'm 
honestly so grateful for everything she's ever done. What about other people that have uh, been influential in you getting to this point? Um, there's been a, there's been a lot of people that have come back to me, but uh, a main one is Mr. Uh, Gilchrap. Uh, I can't thank everything he's done. I can't thank him enough for everything he's done. Um, Clint Bridger, um, he's just been there since since uh, since day dot. You know, helping with helping with everything that I've ever needed. Um, it's it's been cool, and just everyone that's there's a lot of early sponsors that 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 have always been there helping me, and I just can't thank everyone enough that that's got me to this um got me in this position. This is a, a terrific story because uh, you started uh, at this uh, level of racing at the Toyota eighty six championship when just fifteen years of age. Uh, that year you picked up two podiums. You're nineteen now. I mean, you're like a veteran all of a sudden in, in this particular uh, level of racing. I mean, tell us what you've, you've learnt from just being a, a really young kid at 15 to a slightly older one at 19. Yeah, well, I was, I was very, very fortunate to be able to get into a race car at such a young age. Um, just, just having the backing behind me, it's, it's, I feel very privileged to have driven a car for, for this many years. But um, going into it, you know, you just learn how different driving a race car is compared to a go-kart. Um, it's everything, even though you're going a lot faster, everything happens a lot slower. Um, everything's much bigger. It's it's really enjoyable. You know, I've learned heaps over these past uh, couple of years I've been racing in the series. I've had so many awesome experiences with so many people. Um, it's just been amazing. But I think the big difference for me this year was just my mindset going into it just, having a lot of confidence you know it it helps a lot more than than you'd, than you'd think brock uh, you said before um going overseas is the ultimate and uh, apparently that opportunity has opened up with quite uh, an exciting prospect ahead for you in germany is is that right and tell us tell us what it's about yeah well there um one of the prizes was for winning the championship was in the go race over in Germany in a GT4 Supra, which is unbelievable. Um, getting to go to Europe, uh, it's at the Nürburgring, one of the most famous tracks in the world, and getting to drive a GT4 car around there, it's it's unbelievable. I cannot wait. So um, that, that is, I mean, that is a, an amazing opportunity for you. Uh, you've also been selected by uh, trustees of uh, the Tony Quinn Foundation, to test uh, to test the G3 Camaro uh, with uh, Red Bull Racing. Now that is uh, that's high profile stuff. Uh, with an opportunity, perhaps if that goes well, supercars is is that on the is that on the radar? Yeah, well, I'd love to race supercars, especially with the name Brock. I, I feel like it definitely belongs there. But no, it's it's honestly it's it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to get to drive a Gen3 um, Camaro, the, the brand new generation of of cars with, with with arguably one of the best teams in supercars, which is Red Bull and Pole Racing. Um, I just I can't I couldn't believe it. Um, I'm so so thankful that um, the trustees of the Tony Quinn Foundation um, have have um, selected me for it, and I feel very proud to represent them um, with this opportunity. With that, you get to rub shoulders with uh, Shane Van Gisberg, and uh, that could be some uh, valuable time for you. Yeah, 
it'll, it'll be awesome. Um, to, I'm not sure what the detail yet, but it'll be cool. I, I'd, I'd imagine he'll be out there, so it'll be amazing if I get to work alongside him. Right, let's uh, look at um, having uh, won the championship this year. What what are you working towards uh, next in your career, um, your, your immediate goals? Um, at the moment, it's just sort of this year trying to, trying to get some laps and, and some other quicker cars, maybe try race race some quicker cars in an endurance series or something. But next year, I'd like to like to try get to Australia racing in something a little quicker. So we'll see what opportunities arise and hopefully give something a good crack next year. Would you be uh, open to opportunities such as um, the likes of the two Scots, Marcus Armstrong, very young man, not much older than yourself actually, um, and IndyCar, Formula E, any any of those other classes interest you or you, you really want to focus on uh, supercars? You know, definitely, like, they interest me as well, but um, it's, it's uh, supercars is sort of where I've, what I've always watched growing up and so it'd be like just uh, amazing to be able to compete in that series but if it did end up going to IndyCar or Formula E I wouldn't complain you know I, I'd love to just drive cars for a living it'd, it'd, be an, it'd just be awesome Who are your idols? Who, who are your idols at the moment in motor racing? Uh, probably uh, probably Shane Van Gisbergen and uh, Scotty McLaughlin um, both of them I've just that's that's pretty much who I grew up watching on the TV at Supercars. Um, obviously, Scott's over in America now in IndyCar, so that's that's cool. He's doing very well over there. I've, I've seen. Um, so it's yeah, I look up to them quite a bit. What else do you do um, apart from motor racing? I mean, 19 years of age. I mean, it's nice to be focused and have goals in one area. But what else do you actually do in case perhaps it doesn't work out that way? What what else are you involved in? Um, so once I finished school, I actually started my apprenticeship. So I'm an, I'm an apprentice plumber at the moment. So I, I work full time as that and, and drive race cars on the side. But I'm, I'm very lucky to be able to um, have good bosses that that are somewhat allowing of, of my time off that I have with motorsport because it is quite a lot. Um, so it's, it's good. Um, and I just like to... You know, it's, it's awesome to be able to um, have work with such good people um, at my job and have a good backup plan as if the racing doesn't doesn't work out. I think it's a great example for uh, youngsters, uh, Brock. It's been fantastic to have a, a small chat to you and uh, congratulations on your success. Uh, that drama-filled last race was uh, very interesting to read about. Uh, and also... Um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, big ups to your mum as well, Ursula, and uh, it's a great family story. And uh, we'll keep a, a very close eye on the future from Brock, uh, Brock Gilchrist going forward. Uh, all the best in what you uh, are looking forward to. Thanks for your time, mate. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Cheers, uh, Brock. Uh, have a good day. Yeah, Brock uh, Gilchrist there, who will now turn around and go back to the plumbing side of things in life. And Logan, that is that is a, just a fantastic story when you, you consider that. Uh, working full-time as a plumber and having those goals in mind and, and getting a background in something else, a trade in something else. What a great example. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> sorry, quite often, Smithy, when we get young uh, motor, you know, motorsport uh, like racers, athletes, what do you want to call them, on the show, on ECNZ, um, they're all the same. They're all very much focused on their goals, but they, 
they seem quite grounded. And mm. I'm not I'm not sure where that comes from because it seems like they're their own special breed, right? Like it's just so fascinating to see them all come through. And we have so many now as well. Like, you know, you talk about Shane Van Gisberg and Scott McLaughlin, you got Dix and the likes, you know. It's there's so many more coming through, the young guns as well. And now we've got another one with Brock, and so awesome that he is named after Peter Brock and he wants to be in supercars because he feels like that's where he belongs because of uh, his history. And I mean, as you said, just such an amazing story with his family, his dad passing away, you know, five years ago and him wanting to live on that legacy and that dream of being in motorsport. Just such mm. a cool kid. Um, you know, I, yeah, like talking to uh, Stephen McIver yesterday, it was just big raps from him about what he's managed to achieve and, and what could come next for him. Yeah, I, I just think it's a terrific story. And we'll, now that we've got to know him, we've met him, uh, we'll keep an eye on his, his future as well. That's uh, Brock Gilchrist, folks. Um, and that uh, Tony Quinn Foundation puts him in the same company as the likes of Liam Lawson and Hunter McElray, and we know what they've gone on to achieve so far and they're still young men as well it is a 10 18 here on SENZ we'll be back shortly brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field summer or winter he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa this is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ well, you've got to love uh, sports shows that go in depth and are uh, not scared to have uh, a genuine opinion. Uh, I think it's fair to say in this country we're a little bit, um, I say, backward and coming forward because we don't want to upset the apple cart. You don't want to upset uh, the rugby union if you work in rugby because uh, the, the rugby union are the one that dishes out the sky contracts and uh, the, those deals going forward. Uh, not quite the same in Australia. And uh, in, in our NRL 360 is... Um, a very, very popular show. People rave about it um, because of its opinions. And, uh, of course, have uh, been hot on the tub- topic that we've been talking about uh, for the last couple of days. Brayton Astor, Paul Kent, James Hooper and Brent Reid on NRL 360 and uh, Warrior CEO and Referee Bias. Yeah, look, he went far too hard. He, he went out on Twitter. You know, he might have had a couple of shardies before he, before he began. But he got into the referee saying that they were cheating, okay, which is clearly uh, unacceptable. As a sponsor, the NRL can't take any action against him. They can take action against the Warriors in some respect. He's backtracked that today. And he's come out, he's basically said, look, I went too far, but I do believe there is a, 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 an unconscious bias against the Warriors. Now, I don't disagree with that, okay? Mm. I've said, I think there is an unconscious bias against a lot of the lower teams. Yeah. If, if someone had got up like that, at, like the Troll Mitchell there in a Warriors jumper, might have got penalised, but not there. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying, there is they've, a, they've, they've, had, they've had some tough calls. They've had some bad calls They have a lot of tough calls. They've had a lot of tough calls. I've noticed it myself. But it's not the referee's cheating. No, it's not a, so. a, a conspiracy not. theory where the NRL don't want them to win. And, and an unconscious bias, by definition, means you're not aware of it. Mm. And, and you're just not aware of it. But you, you tend to see the better teams you think are going to play better. And the, the way to get past it is you've just got to earn your way past it with wins. Yeah. And the Warriors are slowly getting there. Mm. We saw that with the Cowboys. Todd Payton said something yeah. last year, I think it was, yeah. about that they don't get the, the, the rub of the green or the 50-50 calls. And I've mm. long said the 50-50 calls generally go 60-40. Okay, the good teams get 60, the bad mm. teams get 40. Todd Payton said it last year, but you know what they did? Over the duration of the season, they earned the right mm. to get those, the, 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 uh, the, 
advantage or to get the uh, consideration going, the, the rub of the green their way. And, and the Warriors, uh, yeah, bad luck, but you've just got to go through it. And, and if you're going to sit there around the bottom of the table for a long, long time like they have been and like other clubs have been, unfortunately that just happens. How do you see it, Rudy? Oh, terrible. Outrageous comments by the, mm. the CEO of a company, a, a big company like that, to make those sort of com- comments publicly. Mm. Uh, and the referees are obviously talking about suing him now. Oh, and right? they might get some cash out of it. So um, I know he backed off it today, but you, you just can't say that sort yeah. of stuff. I'm not, uh, yeah, you're right. You agree? Yeah, yeah, you can't. Well, to suggest that the referees yeah. are... <laughs> it's ridiculous. The NRL can't actually take action against him. But they actually should be saying to the Warriors, listen, you guys need to get your house daughter over here because yeah. this is unacceptable. Because you can't have... Imagine if every sponsor starts firing off. Pretty harsh going saying to Cameron George and uh, Mark Robinson to get your house in order. For goodness sake. Uh, they're talking, you're talking about two different entities here. You're talking about a sponsor and you're talking about a team. Now, I, I, don't, quite, uh, I don't quite get the, um, that line of thinking there. I mean, they've got enough issues to deal with uh, Cameron George and Mark Robinson and the Warriors just trying to uh, be competitive, uh, field a, you know, a credible side and uh, hang in there in the competition. All they're asking for, all they're asking for is consistency, clarity and a fair crack of the whip. Now, when someone like Todd Payton comes out and said 60-40 against the weaker teams, why is that? So if he admits that that's the case, what he's saying is there's a bias. If there's a consistent 60-40... Uh, ratio against the better teams against the lower teams, that is a bias. And 60-40 is a hell of a ratio. Just get off the high chair here, um, Logan. <laughs> uh, your turn. Love it, Smithy. I love how passionate you've been. That is Paul Kent for you. Uh, love him or hate him. I did have to work with him. Uh, yeah, some very interesting comments there. Obviously, more to come. It's still big news over in Australia as well. I literally just got a call while we were playing that audio uh, from Ben Rosley, who's uh, the executive producer for Vossi and Brandy. Uh, they had a lawyer on this morning, and it sounds like they're going to send some of their audio our way, so perhaps we can have that later on in the show. But it's just one of those things uh, that I think it now you've got to look to Friday's match, Smithy. I'm really I'm very curious how that one is going to be ruled. There's going to be a lot of eyes. It's going to be very much under the microscope as to how that one is going to be adjudicated. And if things are going to be any different or, you know, if I guess potentially bias is going to swing the other way, like, look, the Warriors think we're, we're undercutting them here. Maybe we need to swing things their way so they can be happy, you know, that kind of thing. Like, just... Yeah, I'm just very curious how this will all be influenced. But the the question here, Smithy, for me is that no, you know, Jason Paris is no different to any passionate fan, aside from the fact that he has money. And I guess now, you know, this sort of thing. Well, if they if this guy has money, uh, he is a major sponsor of <laughs> one of our NRL teams. Maybe we can go after him. But I can be careful here because that one New Zealand slash Vodafone uh, partnership is one of the longest standing partnerships within the sport for a very good reason. It's a good partnership. It works. And I mean, it's just great to see Jason Paris stand up and say what we're all thinking and they're listening. Yeah, uh, look, uh, I, I agree. Um, it could have been anyone, anyone from the local boozer who put it on. Um, you know, who put it on Facebook or put it on Twitter or whatever, just said, had a guts full of the Warriors getting done over by these cheating refs or whatever, um, you know, and it would have just gone, 
just another bit of Warriors fan as such. It wouldn't have gone anywhere. Um, that's I come, I guess, comes with the territory. Um, you know, you're in a high-profile position, and you don't get much higher in business than being the CEO of uh, One New Zealand as such. Um, so I, I guess there is a line. I would imagine his board members or um, you know his chairman have probably uh, had a quick word to him, and uh, one of the reasons why he <coughs> backtracked is because he could see the damage it was doing. He would never have expected. Uh, that uh, when he texted it or uh, put it on Facebook or whatever, uh, it was going to get to this point where a possibility of being sued, the possibility of the referees' uh, union, uh, the reaction that it's got. So uh, you just got to temper everything. But I also um, don't decry people having passion about what they do and about what they think about something. It's called being a fan. It's called being a fan. And, and if you want to watch uh, referees under pressure... Have a look at the EPL or any level of football uh, where the players are basically in the face of the referees on a game-by-game a, a -game basis, complaining, swearing, um, you know, intimidating. And uh, the referees just get on and do their job. Some don't do it very well. Uh, some handle it with ease, with the, 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 you know, with the standing that they've got in the game. But honestly... Um, I, I, I think sometimes sometimes everyone gets a bit precious about these things and for it to go on like 48 hours and it isn't finished yet I find quite staggering it is 11.31 uh, and uh, an hour early today so we'll give you absolutely nil warning nil warning we're going to do Stump Smithy right here and now 50 bucks Brian's waiting for your calls there patiently uh, Logan will be uh, the quiz master as always and we'll give you a chance to win uh, 50 bucks uh, to brighten up your day. It's Tuesday. It's uh, 10.31 news time. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. 10.33 here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. And yes, time to play Stumped by Smithy. An hour early $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs today, Smithy. Uh, the categories today, I'll let you know now, already get you ahead of the game. Basketball, rugby and rugby league, three of our favourites. How are you okay, feeling? Okay, that sounds, that sounds good. I thought you might put refereeing in there, uh, famous <laughs> NRL referees, but no, we're not going to do that today. So, okay, let's uh, let's get stuck into it. Plenty to get through on the show this morning. Who's up for grabs first? Well, it might be hard. If we ever did a Mount Rushmore on NRL referees, I don't know if we'll find four. Uh, first at the crease, we're going to Wellington. Scott, come in, mate. Morning, guys. How you going? Yeah, good, Scott. Very good this morning. What's it like down in the capital this morning? Uh, it's starting to get quite cloudy, and I think they just said we're meant to have thunderstorms coming in. So. Oh, nice. It, it started off brilliant. nice, which was nice, unfortunately. So. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, right. Let's just, uh, get. Just going to yeah. say quickly as well. I think with the um, with the um, with the NRL as well. I think what's getting to them as well. What they don't like is obviously their main sponsors uh, Telstra, and obviously One New Zealand is a you know not a direct rival, but it's another telco company there as well. And I just I've never been a fan of the Warriors having them as their sponsor. So it's just giving them a bit of ammo as well on that side, I think, and that's why they won't let it go. No. Interesting perspective. Hadn't thought of that, Scott, but uh, thanks, for, thanks for that little insight there. Right, uh, let's get into um, the questions of uh, the day. Logan, up to you. 
All right. Well, quickly, this is how the game works for anyone listening at home. And uh, we do normally play this at 11.32 on Mornings with Ian Smith. So if you've never played before, give us a call. We might get you on. Uh, We have three categories to choose from today. Get a question wrong, and it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock your bails off. Get out within the first two questions, and it's on to the next caller in line. Get out on that final question, and we jackpot tomorrow, which would be $100. Now, I mentioned earlier, Scott, the cat- categories are basketball, rugby, and rugby league. What's your choice? Uh, rugby league, please. All right. Good luck. Flavor of the day, rugby league. First question. The Brisbane, the Brisbane Broncos sit alone on top of the NRL ladder on 16 points with eight wins and two losses. Can you name one of the teams they've lost to? Uh, they lost to the Dolphins, didn't they? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, the Broncos ended the Dolphins' dream run uh, to the start of their NRL uh, life. Smithy, over to you. Well, they got um, they got beaten uh, two weeks ago, and they got quite soundly beaten. Oh, God, this is going to haunt me. Um, who have beaten their Broncos? Who have beaten the Broncos? They've beaten the Broncos. Um, we didn't beat the Broncos, did we? The Warriors? Haven't played. Uh, play them in Napier very, very soon, Smithy. Oh, stupid. Okay, I got that wrong then. That's a bad one. Okay, I'm going to that game too. Oh, stupid. Rightio. Play the thing. I, put, I said the Broncos. Oh. <laughs> No, well, the Broncos are the Broncos. <laughs> Who did they lose to? Oh, no, so I, I, I said the Warriors. I said the Warriors. Oh, uh, okay. One of the worst so, things a, I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I think the, game, camera, you're, I think the game you're thinking of, Smithy, is them lo- losing 32-6 to uh, South Sydney. That was one that's of, right. That's one of them. The other one was the Raiders where they lost 20-14. to So you're still alive, Scott. Second question. On the flip side of the ladder, the West Tigers are on six points, two wins and seven losses. The first of those wins was against defending premiers, the Panthers. Can you name the other team to lose to the Tigers this season? The Dragons? That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, 18-16, close one there in Magic Round in Brisbane, Smithy. It was actually. I uh, watched that game. Fascinating game, and uh, I think it was about game seven or eight on the same piece of turf. But uh, it was yeah, it was a brilliant part of the Magic Round, and uh, nice little resurgence from Tim Sheens and Benji Marshall and Co. Nice to see. So, last question for you, Scott. The fifty dollars TAB bonus we're up for grabs here, and it's a Warriors question. They're five for five, currently sitting eleventh on the ladder, but surprisingly lead the competition for sets completed. And only 13th in offloads, would you believe it, in 2023. But there's only one stat category that really matters. Who is the Warriors' leading try scorer so far this season? I know. So Noah Blake's got four, but I think Egan's got four. Um, I'll see. Um, oh, yeah, I'll see. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, with five tries here, Corsi leads the Warriors. Smithy, congratulations, Scott. Yep, awesome. absolutely Thanks, right, mate. I was, I was, 
Yeah, just I knew I knew they were close, and I was just trying to think. Had uh, Fanor Black gone ahead, but no, I knew he had four as well as uh, Wade Egan. I think it is. Ed Corsi, let's uh, hope he can uh, dot down a couple of times this week against the Bulldogs. Scott, uh, have uh, a terrific day and uh, congratulations. I'm pretty sure Brian's got your details, but we'll just confirm them and um, we'll be uh, back probably 11.30 tomorrow morning with another Stump Smithy. It's coming up to uh, 10.40 here on SENZ. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Yeah, I've got a feeling that there's a really feel-good story coming up on the sports desk this morning. I've seen uh, a little trailer to it, and I think it's just uh, a wonderful thing about a big, about a big, as they call them. But that might not be the first one, Logan. What is? No, oh, no. Let's start with that. One of the best. One of one of my favourites to ever uh, put on the uh, Tall Blacks jersey and to play for the New Zealand Breakers. Alex Pledger has announced that he is making his return to basketball and playing for the Southland Sharks. Uh, he's likely coming in towards the end of this month. Which uh, I've looked at the schedule and I believe it is against your Hawks Bay Hawks. So that'll be well, that'll be an easy. Easy introduction at the moment, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that'll be, I mean, yeah, one of the feel-good stories of uh, basketball this year of New Zealand sport. Uh, just to go through the timeline of uh, Alex Pledge's battle with colon cancer, great article by Mark Hinton, as always, on stuff. March 2021, he was first diagnosed with colon cancer, just weeks ahead of the South NBL season while with the Southland Sharks. Then in April, he undergoes five weeks of daily radiation therapy in Dunedin, returning to Invercargill for weekends. In July 2021, he makes his first and only appearance of the season uh, in the Sharks finale against the Canterbury Rams in a 100-87 home victory, sort of uh, like a celebratory, just like, hey, I'm here kind of thing. Then in September, after multiple COVID-enforced delays, he finally received major cancer surgery in Hamilton Hospital. Then from November 2021 to May 2022, there were six months of post-op chemotherapy treatment. Can you just imagine how uh, invasive that is on your body? November 22 has the procedure reversed for stoma pouch. January 22, finally he was feeling well enough to start light training and then in April this year with all tests post-operation coming back clear, he's made the decision to uh, return to the Southland Sharks and of course he is also still going to be on watch for like the next five years just to make sure that it doesn't come back etc. But amazing news that the Chief is back Smithy. Yeah that is fantastic, it really is. Uh, to fight back with all that uh, sort of adversity and, and come through and uh, that will be an emotion return to the court uh, when that actually happens. So uh, good luck. Uh, terrific story to, to start the sports test this morning. And now moving on to women's football, Smithy, Chelsea manager Emma Hayes uh, has moved to ease any Aussie fears over the fitness of Sam Kerr ahead of the uh, FIFA Women's World Cup being held in New Zealand and Australia after the Matilda striker was withdrawn after half an hour of the club's Women's Super League match on Sunday. Kerr is crucial, of course, to Australia's hopes of going deep in that tournament. Uh, but Hayes said that she was sick the night before that uh, 7-0 win over Everton and she decided to play, but her calf was cramping up, so decided to take her out. So just precautionary more than anything. So she will be back because, again, she was there, part of the coronation for uh, King Charles, wasn't she? 
She was, absolutely. A special seat in the house. Um, just, I'll go one for you. In 1878, whistles were invented for referees, right? Whistles. They mm-hmm. brought them in in 1878. Up until then, uh, how did they attract the players' attention? Was it with a flare, a bugle, or a handkerchief? <laughs> I want to say a bugle, but I, uh, I would say probably a handkerchief. Handkerchief is right. You can move on to the second round. I just thought that, that useless bit of trivia um, would be interesting on the subject of referees, that's all. Yeah, Flair's um, a bit intense, the, isn't it? Imagine the NRL referees running around with their hankies out. That would be good. Uh, okay, let's move on. Oh, actually, I wonder if that's a throwback, because you know in the NFL you have flags. The, the, uh, the referees throw out their flags for uh, penalties. I wonder if that's uh, a throwback to the good old days. <laughs> Might be. You're right. The red, the, red, the red challenge flag. You're right, yeah. Uh, and just, just lastly, Smithy, um, Thursday is game four of the Stanley Cup, uh, second round between the Florida and uh, Toronto. Florida now lead that one 3 0 um, after a uh, very disappointing overtime uh, goal there. That was, yeah, all, all I'm saying is, Smithy, if they lose and they get swept, I'm probably not coming to work on Friday. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Uh, I can understand your disappointment with that. Uh, interesting that. Uh, yeah, because they blew game two. They had a 2 0 lead in game two. I remember uh, watching you. You were cock a hoop in the studio. I uh, didn't see you at the end of that game. 3 2. They lost that one. And then to lose in overtime, um, that's another thing. When was the last time in Stanley Cup, club, uh, Stanley Cup playoff history that a team came back from 3 0 down and won it? I do know that it's only happened four times in the history. Uh, I can't remember when the last time was, but I know it's only been four times. So if the Leafs become the fifth team to do it, amazing. But honestly, uh, yeah, I'm not holding my hopes very high, Smithy. It'll be the most Leafs thing ever to come out of the first round for the first time since 2004 and then get swept in the second round. Yeah, that's uh, it's what you call uh, in all sport and life a bummer. It's 10.51 coming up here on SENZ. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Brendan Popwell. Now, I think I think I saw Brendan Popwell was actually at the Magic Weekend. Um, so he was Johnny on the spot at that Warriors game. Um, so Pops is coming up next, hopefully. It's in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, let's get across uh, to uh, the TAB, uh, Brendan Popwell. Now, Pops, is it true? Did I see a Facebook post that uh, you were actually on the spot at Magic Weekend in Brisbane? Yes, Missy, good morning to you. Absolutely, you bang on the mark there. And, man, what a weekend. Uh, just got, got home yesterday and still recovering. Uh, well, you got home to a furore too about um, the refereeing side of things, Pops. Uh, you were uh, at the ground. What was the reaction at the time? Can um, can you remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I can remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, <laughs> I, I can tell you one thing: the Aussies in the crowd were very much with the Warriors. They were wanting the Warriors to win. I think there's that little bit of with the Panthers this year at the moment um, because they've been winning, and you know some of the players can be a little bit arrogant and come across that way. That. The, the support was for the Warriors, and whenever the, when the game finished and we were walking around the ground, it was just that continuation of, oh, you're unlucky. Gee, the refs got you again. 
Um, so the Aussies know it. It's not just a Kiwi thing. It certainly isn't just a Kiwi thing where everyone feels like we're just complaining about the same thing every week. Um, a number of the Australians uh, picked up on, on, on the referee because, let's be honest, the very next game, some of the same things happened that were picked up on that we never got the rub of the green with. And um, I, I think, like any jurisdiction, it's consistency that we're looking for and we don't seem to be getting that at the moment. Aside from that, seems like a hell of a weekend, that magic weekend, mate. Oh, anybody that's thinking about it, lock it in. Like, you get into it. It is so much fun. By Sunday, you, 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 you're getting to the end of it. Uh, we we ended up ditching the, the, the Eels-Titans game by half-time. It was uh, a case of, uh, man, I'm, I'm sitting here and I've, I've seen enough Forex uh, to last me for a lifetime, so it's time to uh, find another liquid that... Um, a little bit of H2O and, and something nice to eat and get to bed. <laughs> <laughs> right, we better get on to the subject at hand, Pops, which is, uh, I guess, the uh, NBA the, the NBA as well again today, yeah? Yes, that's right, yeah. First game, of course, Miami Heat taking some good money. $1.56 around them and Jimmy Butler, of course. So uh, the Knicks are two thirty-five. We've, we've seen a little sprinkling of money, but it's all about the Heat and Jimmy Butler and the punters want to get around this boosted option of Jimmy Butler, 30 points, five rebounds, five assists, and the heat to win. So that boosted option is up to $5.50. And the power play, uh, one or more threes in the first minute of the match, 275. That's been taken in both matches. So if you want a, a quick little, almost like a first stoppage in, in play for the rugby union, that's a, a bet that's well taken. And as for the Lakers match, for the Lakers, 168, Warriors 213. But this market holds more support for the Golden State Warriors. They're looking for hopefully a bit of a bounce back here. Uh, punters around the, the Golden State Warriors, we've had around 63% of our betting on them. And they also love in the Davis, LeBron, 25 points, and Seth and Curry to hit five or more threes. That's boosted to a quote of, of $6. So, yep, you can jump on tab.co.nz to be able to find all those power plays and, and extras around those two matches coming up today. Oh, I suppose there'll be a lot of brownie points uh, there. You have to win back going forward, mate. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly in, I'm, I'm in debt, and I'm going to have to, in many ways probably, uh, and I'm going to have to work on that for the next 12 months so I can get back there next year. <laughs> Good on you. Okay, uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, I wouldn't mind uh, going on a tour party to that. That sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, Brenda Popwell, you have a terrific day. Thanks very much. Uh, we've got a, a great tennis story coming up, and uh, it's... It's a, a, about what um, one couple have been able to create out of a dream, really, and uh, it's really special. Jacob Emery, uh, out of the Wire Rapper, coming up next here on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.03, a really cool story, this, I've got to say. And in the past, we've had tennis players on the show. They've mentioned their struggles to prepare for events played on clay courts like the upcoming French Open and those associated tournaments around it. Uh, facilities just haven't been available in New Zealand, so costly travel and training in Europe has been required. But that appears to be in the past now. Red clay tennis in Wairarapa uh, sports two red European clay courts side-by-side, on-site accommodation for players and coaches, plus a gymnasium. The man behind this vision is tennis coach Jacob Emery. 
and uh, he joins us uh, on SENZ in the mornings now. Uh, Jacob, good morning to you, and thanks for your time. Thanks, Ian. Good morning. Well, this is um, this is a, a terrific story. I've uh, read about it this morning, um, and, and I just find it fascinating that it's come out of uh, your dream, um, and all of a sudden it, it's just become such a, a great facility. When did what was it really that made you, you know, uh, up up camp um, from business life as such and take a punt like this? Yeah, so so it was actually uh, during lockdown. Um, my partner and I, Teresa, we were in Wellington and um, yeah, decided we just wanted to have a change of scene. So that was really where it all started. Um, and then from there, I started looking at you know ways I could make it work over here and and talking with different people around the country. And and it was um, the the national coach uh, Matt Alexander that first um, floated the idea of doing clay and and yeah decided to run with it so uh, uh you uh, thought well okay clay that's a novel thing uh, quite clearly uh, it'll be a first as such why the wire wrapper um well teresa's still working in wellington so we needed somewhere um where she could commute but uh but also when i started looking through all the all the weather patterns um martinborough had to, has very low rainfall so we wanted somewhere that we could coach as much as possible so it sort of, yeah, ticked all the boxes. Right, okay, so you settle on clay, uh, and then this massive yep. exercise of uh, getting it all together, obviously massive cost involved as well. How long did it take before you found your site and you were able to say, right, let's put the nets up and get on with this? Uh, so we we purchased here, we would have started looking like middle of 2020, and, and we bought bought our section September 2020 so we're quite quite fortunate that something popped up that worked and then we we moved in that was just bare land so we we bought some houses that we did a factory build up in Auckland and and we moved in a year later so around October 21 and then I reckon we started construction last winter let's say July 22 and and we were ready to go um end of last year so say november we're, we're training and playing november 22. so this is all done privately i mean is there anyone else involved or where does new zealand or tennis new zealand fit in with us if at all so uh, well tennis new zealand's been hugely supportive but um but uh i mean yeah it's all it's all privately done and and i've got a pretty sizable mortgage at anz to to show for it so um no it's all it's all uh, it's all us really yeah Okay, so clay, uh, the surface of clay, which is, of course is um, so popular in uh, parts of Europe, in particular South America, uh, not so popular here, but uh, as we sort of said in the, as we preempted it, it's hugely important if you want those all-round skills. How much attention is uh, your facility attracting already? Um, well, we've had the New Zealand uh, teams in here training before they went over to Kazakhstan um, for the Junior Fed Cup and Ju Junior Billie Jean King Cup. Um, so that was actually a really exciting milestone. We had uh, Matt was down here and, and Emily Fanning, who um, who was coaching the girls team. Uh, so that was that was very exciting. And then I've got uh, Sebastian Lavies coming down in a couple of weeks. He's runs a big academy up in Auckland. So. Yeah, I think it's really starting to take off now, and and um, we're also getting better and better at maintaining them. Like 
to be fair, they were pretty rough when we first put them in and trying to understand how to how to look after them and keep them playing nice. That's what I was going to ask you about because uh, you know from the outside looking in, you know you, you you get your flat piece of land as such. You've got two courts side by side. You get it level as you possibly yes. can, and you put some you put some clay on top, and away you go. Not the case. Talk about <laughs> the structure of a the structure of a, a you know a tennis court as such, a, a clay court tennis court, and where you have to get your materials from. Yeah. So I mean, we we. Um uh, we we bought the clay in from uh, from Italy, so over in uh, like near Bologna. Um, yeah, so they they produce it all. So so we had to dig it all out and and you know go back to hard and and fill it in with um with base course and things like that as as you do. And then then there's a layer. Um, this was quite a hard layer to find. So we we needed a layer that would um, hold some water, but then uh, it would still drain excess water. So that goes underneath the court, under the clay, and then if you, when you water the court, you saturate that layer, which acts almost like a sponge, and, and then through the day as it evaporates up, it can draw some moisture up uh, through the court. Um, so that's sort of the the court itself, and then you're constantly, um, as you play, it's like, you know you've got different moisture or um, you, you play on it, you leave foot marks, and, and, and you've got to keep flattening it out, flattening it out, and yeah. Uh, yeah, sort of dealing with all the different things uh, has been certainly a challenge. You know, wind and rain and all sorts. So, do you? I mean, in the in the natural day when it's not being uh, used as such, do you cover it as such? Mm. I mean, how do you how do you maintain that, it? How does the mm, clay age, etc.? How, how does that all work? Yeah. So, you, no, you, you don't cover it. it um, yeah, a few people have said that. I've, I haven't looked into that yet, but I don't. I haven't seen it done in Europe. So at this stage, yeah, basically you just take you take drag mats and that keeps it flat. That's like your most basic maintenance. So you take a, a drag mat and you walk around and that and that naturally levels it out. Um, but the the rolling and the um, um, rolling and then you take sort of these wooden rakes and, and you and you rake it out flat and, and and that that's kind of the the more heavy maintenance to keep it nice and um true tell us um jacob too about the, the rest of the facility because it's um you know it's not like you um you have to commute to use this you can stay around the martin barrier area you've got accommodation on site etc yeah, we've. I mean, we've got a couple of houses here. So we've got our our house, and then there's a small um, guest house, and we're still building another um, another add-on there. So that's going to be further accommodation and the gym. So the idea is that um, <clears throat> players and coaches from around the country can come in. Uh, you know, they can stay here. They can do all their gym work here, um, all the training, and and it's just like a one-stop shop. I'm, I've tried to make it as I sort of built what exa exactly what I would want as a coach if I was travelling. So how many uh, coaches um, are able to use it at the moment? Is it just yourself or do you have other coaches using it? I mean, for instance, do people rent your courts as such? I mean, do coaches rent your courts to give lessons, etc.? How do you get the payback? Yeah, well, I mean, it's still, still certainly early days. Um, at, at the moment, I've got – I mean, there's a team of uh, three of us here working – um, through the whole region. So we're going around different clubs and we're obviously working here as well. And then we've got, we've got um, a really nice group of juniors that come up each weekend. So that's kids from traveling from 
Wellington and Kapiti and, and all around the place. And so they come in and train all weekend with us. Um, and then really the key time that people can rent them is, is during the week. So <clears throat> Monday to Friday, uh, coaches could, can come in and stay and, and rent the courts or yeah, really anyone can come in uh, through the week. It's just, uh, yeah, just trying to get it, get it started and, and um, yeah, bring, bring them in. Okay, so let's uh, look at uh, the the little uh, idiosyncrasies of clay versus grass, or clay versus hardcourt as such. Um, sure. Obviously, we look at we look at the French Open, and that is the next Grand Slam coming up uh, at the end of this month. In fact, uh, two and a half weeks away. We've looked at the likes of uh, mm-hmm. Nadal, who've, who's dominated on the surface. Just how much different is it? How hard is it? Um, you know, to go from a country where there is no clay to try and compete mm. where there is clay. Mm. Well, I think, I mean, this is sort of one of the big things I want to do is, and, and this is where Matt, Matt Alexander and I have been working together. Like, I, I really think you, you need more than a week here, you know, before you leave it. You do need that long-term exposure. So we're looking to get all, all the best kids around the country in here on a pretty regular basis. You know, let's say... Uh, four or five times a year they should be coming in and doing doing a week so um but but to answer your question i I think it would be very hard to get your head around it um if you just turn you know as an adult so there's the movement there's the the um the challenges where it's a little bit um unstable under your feet uh the bounce is is completely different um and you got to play with so much more spin to be effective so it does change it a lot. Whereas on a hard court or grass, you're tending to go through the court more and use pace. Um, on the clay, you've got to use spin and placement angles um, and really work the point over. There's an argument to say on that basis then with the, the, the noted difference in surfaces. There's an argument I would imagine to say mm-hmm. that uh, Nadal is perhaps the greatest tennis player of all time, the way he's been able to adapt mm-hmm. and dominate on that surface as well. Totally. I mean, I think yeah, that's certainly uh, something that is going to be debated for a long time, right? But um, but yeah, I mean, to be ultra dominant on the clay and then and then take that success over to to grass and hard is is yeah, incredible. Right. Uh, what about months of the year? When is when is uh, your facilities uh, available? Totally weather dependent, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a. I mean, it's a great question. Like. Um, I really yeah, couldn't tell you at this stage. I've got a um, an incredible um, consultant over in Italy that's been helping me along the way, and and we're we're on Zoom pretty regularly. But uh, yeah, we just got to go through the year and see how it tracks in the winter. He he's sort of we're cautiously optimistic we'll be able to go year round. Um, it's just the frosts we get here can can cause some problems. So um, yeah, at this stage. It's year-round. Uh, we've got the frost to contend with. Uh, the winds in the spring are another like serious problem because it just moves everything off the surface. Um, so, yeah, we're still trying to figure out how to contend with all the challenges we have. Uh, I can see uh, a nice little competition competition coming up here, and I, uh, I actually read your article, so I know that <laughs> might be a possibility. A nice little bit of wine mm. and some clay court tennis. That sounds like a decent sort of event, that. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, um, 
yeah, that would that would be incredible, right? And and we're actually surrounded. Um, two sides of the property is surrounded by vineyards, so you know you're right in the thick of um, of the wine region for sure. Uh, just finally, um, I, okay, it's very unique to New Zealand. What about Australia? I mean, is there a market there for you to bring people uh, this way before they go that way, as such? Um, they've got. They do have Melbourne has Ontica, which is sort of a like a variant of clay. It's not. It's not the European style clay, but it, there's some similarities. Um, but they do have at all the big centres uh, in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Certainly, they do have European clay courts, so they they can get some time on on the clay before they go. Um, I have been talking with um, uh, some tennis players in the Pacific Islands that that are quite keen to come over when they're coming over for tournament blocks and and getting access to to some training on the clay. That's something that we're looking at. But I think in terms of the Aussies, they're sort of well looked after already. Okay, so um, people that are interested in finding out more or getting in touch with you, how do they do that? Yeah, so we uh, actually just jump on uh, our websites, uh, redclay.co.nz, um, and and you can find all my contact details there and, and just, yeah, give me a call and, and we'll see what we can do. How does a tennis ball age on clay as opposed to grass and hard court? How do they last? Uh, yeah, I, I would say they tend to, I mean, they don't get as bald, that's for sure. Um, they, they probably fluff up a little bit more, which then makes the rallies, you know, even longer again. So, um, yeah, it's a good question though. It's not something I've really had a, had a really good look at, but it's something I'll, I'll definitely look into. Okay. Uh, hey, Jacob, absolutely fascinating. Congratulations on a fantastic project, turning a dream into a reality as you have uh, with uh, your lovely partner, uh, Teresa, of course, who's uh, making the sacrifice to, uh, to get to Wellington uh, to, to help you out. So I suppose totally. uh, that it must be great, though, though when you, you wake up uh, each morning and you look out at what you've achieved and the possibilities that it might present. Congratulations. A really All cool right. story. It's been, gra- it's been great talking to you. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, Jacob Emery there, folks. Uh, so he, he's given you where you can uh, make contact uh, with him, um, particularly um, if you've got uh, uh, young kids who want to learn tennis. Because he's a very accomplished coach in his own right as well, uh, just by the by. And there are a lot of locals and people coming over the hill uh, to get involved with him. So um, that is a unique, a unique, a bit of a gamble, Logan, but uh, quite unique. And uh, congratulations to him. Yeah, very cool. Uh, and obviously one of a kind, but he doesn't want to be one of a kind. He wants to see uh, more people in New Zealand pack it up. But it, I mean, with the uh, the amount of logistics that go behind it, as he says, he now has a very sizable mortgage with ANZ. Uh, I, I hope it does encourage more people to do it, but it is really cool to see how this goes and how it might affect, uh, you know, our tennis stars moving forward. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, some sad news now for cricket fans, and uh, it was uh, revealed yesterday that um, Lindsay Crocker had uh, passed away. And uh, just got a message here from uh, Heath Mills I thought I'd read out. Um, it was very sad to hear the news on a Sunday evening that Lindsay Crocker had passed away after a short illness. Uh, Lindsay has uh, been a past uh, player member of the NZCPA for many years and made a lifetime contribution to our sport as a player. Uh, the CEO of Auckland Cricket. 
Black Caps team manager and a senior executive manager at New Zealand Cricket for many, many years. Uh, was uh, always great company, a cricketer through and through. Loved to uh, open the batting for his uh, Northern District side. Played against him on many occasions. And uh, he will be greatly missed, old Crocs, by uh, many in the cricket community. Uh, our thoughts are with his family at this very sad time. For those who wish to attend, the funeral details are as follows. Uh, it's at 1.30, uh, Sunday, 14th of May. Uh, Dill's Funeral Services, 185 Snapper Rock Road in Albany, uh, on the shore there. And that will be followed by a wake at the North Shore Golf Club, which is 51 Appleby Road, Albany as well. So uh, RIP Crocs, um, good opponent and uh, a really good man who absolutely loved the game of cricket. It's 11.21. It's in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 11.26 here on SENZ. We've got the Ag Insights coming up with Araha after the 11.30 news. And in the last half hour of the show, I'd like to read out some of the texts that uh, we've got in for you, some really, really cool texts, so uh, we really do deserve, you deserve to have them uh, read out, so we shall do that, but we thought uh, you might be interested in something that's just come through uh, the wire, as they used to say in the old days, uh, Logan Swinkles, and it comes from our colleagues we're in Sydney. Yeah, Vossi and Brandy are uh, there, Bricky, on uh, SEN 1170. They had the principal of Bryden's Lawyers and also chair of the West's Tigers, Lee Haji Pantelis. And can you imagine what they talked about, Smithy? Um, I would be thinking they were talking about uh, the weather uh, <laughs> and live golf, maybe. No, look, I, I know. I think I know exactly what you're hinting at. They're talking about what we're talking about. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, New Zealand CEO of One uh, NZ, formerly Vodafone. His tweet that uh, claims the referees were cheating. Uh, it was the highest order of cheating and uh, said, are they having money on the results? So where does he place himself? We heard a little bit of audio of of his half-baked apology. Uh, Where does he sit at the moment in terms of um, his liability to be sued? Uh, Well, Greg, it's pretty clear. In fact, Dean Ritchie from The Telegraph rang yesterday asking me to comment on this, and I I declined politely because I do like the Warriors and I didn't want to to jump in. But, geez, it's got some oxygen, the story, in the last 24 hours or so. The NRL rules are clear that they apply to all clubs, game participants, match officials and players. So the NRL itself does not have any jurisdiction over a sponsor or a CEO for a sponsor. Jurisdiction over the sponsors is limited to sponsorship fees, third-party payments, etc. So as to any liability on the part of the CEO, it's just under the general common law, and that would deal with defamation, of course. And as we've spoken before of defamation, when you publish a statement that demeans the character of a person, then you can be sued for defamation. Now, Now, if I was advising, I'd be saying that these comments are clearly defamatory, Uh, It's reported, I don't think there's any doubt it was posted, um, to say that it was cheating of the highest order, calls into question the integrity of the match officials who are easily identifiable, of course. It was the referee and the bunker referee. Um, There are defences available if you speak the truth, for example, so I think you'd be struggling to establish that defence. 
uh, the apology itself can go some way towards ameliorating the damage done, but it wasn't much of an apology. I would have thought maybe front page of the paper and an unreserved apology would help, but it didn't go that far. No. So whether the referees are seeking legal advice or not remains to be seen, but uh, is there a cause of action? Absolutely. Yeah, isn't there a time frame, Lee, on, on how long you've got to issue the apology? Is that not in the in the realms of law a, an actual time period? Uh, there is 12 months to sue from the date of publication of the defamatory statement. However, within that time, the, the person defamed will serve a defamation cause notice, which will give the other party 28, 28 days in which to comply with a demand for an apology or a withdrawal of the allegation or a retraction. So once a cause notice is served, he'll have 28 days. Okay. I, I think... I, I don't know. If, if I was the referees, I don't know if I'd be happy with the apology or the, the statement that he made yesterday on New Zealand Radio. I think they'd be sending something to him and giving him those 28 days to come clean and yeah. apologise properly. That would be my... I, I, and, and he stirred a nation, Lee, and Brandy went on SENZ yesterday. The, the, and, and the nation, you know, the sporting part of it, they're in enough throwing role. their support behind him. They're, they're not outraged by his comments at all. <laughs> so I'm saying, to a degree, um, take it this way. Damage is done in terms of referees' integrity for the poor old next referee and officials that have to go and control there. It's going to be very, very uncomfortable um, going there. So uh, you know, even absolutely. an apology today of the highest mm. order ain't mm. going to turn that around. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, the saga continues as such. Uh, Logan, um, uh, honestly, uh, do you think that that'll come to that or are we just putting shots across the bow here uh, <laughs> and the basis of don't do it again, folks. Just don't challenge our guys again as such. Don't defame them. Yeah, I feel like uh, when you throw those kind of words around, we all have to be very careful about uh, what we say. I think, yeah, just let's watch this space, Smithy, because the story is definitely not over. And if it's got legs here in New Zealand, it's clearly got legs across the ditch in Australia as well. Yep. Uh, okay. That's cool. Uh, we bring it to you as soon as we can here on SENZ. Uh, great to get the, that little piece of audio fresh out of Australia. Radio. Uh, speaking of uh, news, uh, watching this space, uh, it's time for the uh, 11.31 update this morning and following that uh, Araha will stay with us and we'll do our weekly Ag Insights With the very latest in rural news this is Ag Insights on Mornings with Ian Smith Collier's Rural and Agribusiness Licence REAA 2008 Good morning to you, Aroha. I wish you a very, very good morning. Uh, finally, some uh, good news for Hawke's Bay farmers. As I look out the window, good news is I it's a uh, sort of a day here. I saw you yeah. raising the blind. I was like, are you checking on your washing, Smithy? No, I always look. It's not my washing, it's my wife's. I always look at um, uh, the farmers, the growers, and the other business. That's why I look out the window and look at the weather. Affected by the cyclones, of course, we talked about this um, quite a lot obviously for a good reason uh, but they've got one less thing to worry about following the government's announcement on the depreciation rollover relief I had this really amazing example to demonstrate what the depreciation rollover relief would mean in like real terms to show you how much money how much of a difference it would make on say something like a million dollar claim 
but let's just say it'll save you money, maybe in the hundreds of thousands. So farmers, growers, and a big bunch of other businesses that were affected by the cyclones have that one less thing to worry about. But it's because, you know, Federated Farmers got on board this and advocated it advocated for it in the wake of the Hurunui Kaikwota earthquake. So they are so stoked that the government has seen fit to do the same thing for businesses that were hit by severe weather events through January, February, the long weekend weather through Auckland, and then Cyclone Gabriel that hit your part of town. So basically, people know what it means, don't they? If they're interested in their assets and they've had to have some kind of insurance claim against them, they've learnt about this and they know about depreciation in their businesses. And um, being able to throw that extra piece of perceived income away and therefore not pay as much tax sort of thing. It's an interesting one because um, not only is um, a cyclone an undesirable thing, quite obviously, um, but we're going through fairly testing times aside from that as well, which is, re- uh, which is resulting in property values, etc. Yeah. Um, going down, depreciating as such to be the word. And you know, at home, so today, this is, we, I hadn't, nothing in my house was affected through the cyclones. My entire hometown was infected by, affected by the cyclone, sorry, and so was the other side of the peninsula. Auckland, right outside our door here at work, was incredibly impacted by the cyclone and anniversary weekend flooding. And where all my family is from, so Waikare Moana Tsuwai Wairua, all hit hardest, and so I'm not having those things right in front of me on a plate every day. But today, with the weather forecasts, I have so much anxiety heading back, wondering if my house is going to slide off the hill. I can't imagine mm. what it's like for people who have had to live through that already, and now they've got another forecast. So, I mean, we say it's good news. I mean, it's, I suppose it's small fry compared to what they're um, dealing with in real terms. But it's nice to acknowledge that it's there. It's nice to acknowledge that it's there, of course, and uh, it's a nice little... Uh, backstop if uh, the need arises. Um, also some uh, pretty good news for the horticultural industry in general, welcoming the free trade agreement with uh, the UK. Do you remember when they were talking about that free trade agreement, there was quite a lot of press about how long, it ended up being some really informal talks um, with the diplomats in a room in Jacinda Ardern and then it kind of got done over a handshake and a cup of tea after all of the really formal meetings took place. So the Prime Minister saying that it's being moved forward has been, I think, more of a relief than anything for the export market. Horticulture New Zealand's Chief Executive Nadine Tunley said that in the year to the 31st of March, the horticultural expert exports were worth $4.6 billion. But they've actually got this massive plan with the industry, the government, Māori and research providers aiming to increase the value of the whole industry to $12 billion by 2035. So that is more than doubling that number. So good news. We could yeah, do more very, very good, more news. good news. And um, uh, just finally, of course, uh, when we talk about duck shooting, we immediately think of the rural areas. We think about farmers. Um, of course, um, out there building their uh, mai mais, yes, um, and feeding their particular lakes and streams, etc. Um, hoping that they will get some success. And that's a great story. You showed me a picture of um, a Southland family doing just that. Blair Drysdale out with Dad Ken and his 12-year-old son Fletcher in Balfour at Balfour Farm 
first thing Saturday morning. We did a little bit in the news on Friday leading up to the duck hunting season. I don't think you're allowed to call it duck shooting season anymore. We've got these PC terms, duck hunting, although I can't see much difference between the two words. Um, But first morning of duck hunting season had fine weather in Southland and our very own Andy Thompson, who we all know is our agricultural specialist on the station, and also a good old West Coast farmer, teamed up with the Drysdales for the first day of duck hunting season. So um, he reckons they had a great start, sunny weather, but I've told him to go and check the rules and regulations because some of the um, the bagging limits have changed, just to keep him safe. Oh, have, have they really? Oh, uh, one okay, or two. I wouldn't say many, but some. Okay, and the, the rangers and uh, whatever will be out policing that, monitoring that without doubt. See, I'm from the Thames Coast. We were used to the rangers hauling us off the rocks for eating the oysters. Mm. We didn't do that. Okay. We didn't do that at all. No? No. You didn't do that? No. Okay. We didn't get caught for it, which means we didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Smithy. So happy duck hunting season, if that's your thing. Um, Keep the my mys clean, and that's not a euphemism for anything. Thank you very much. Okay. Very good. Uh, Ottawa there with the ag insights, uh, as always, at this time. With the very latest in rural news, this is Ag Insights on Mornings with Ian Smith. Profit from the best advice with Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. SCNZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram at SCNZ underscore radio and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Texts that have come into the show. Morning, Smithy. The issue with the NRL and the referee are the captain's challenge caused the bunker can look for knock-ons. Uh, Tedesco, knock-on versus the Warriors, but he can get involved. And if he had refs say he's going to challenge, even uh, the ref can see it's clearly a knock-on. Uh, anyway, uh, up the was, uh, says that texter. Lachlan has come in and said, I really hope this, the one CEO doesn't back down in the face of this rubbish defamation suit. Uh, I don't think it's confirmed yet, Lachlan, but it's a possibility. If they want to take this to court, then the NRL will need to prove that there isn't an unconscious bias amongst referees, their referees. I'd love to see a full-blown investigation into decision over the time that the Warriors have been in the competition. I can uh, bet your bottom dollar if it ever gets to that, there will be huge amounts of uh, video evidence both ways. I can guarantee the results won't end well for the NRL, uh, says Lachlan. Um, Scott has come in and said, the thing is, he was right. Just look at the head hits in the last couple of games. Also, letting other teams play the ball way off the marks. It's just a a couple of mistakes that the refs are making. Um, it's, It's pretty cool. Uh, that people have uh, got this kind of feeling, uh, you know, uh, coming into the show. It's not 50-50 calls that we are complaining about. It's the blatantly obvious calls. The bunker is there to stop these bad calls and stamp down on foul, dangerous play. But just don't, don't do it when it's plain to see, but then seem to see it when it's not there for us. Also, inconsistently, uh, not week to week, but within the actual games, we seem to get penalised for something, but the opposition does the same minutes later and gets nothing. Um, Smithy, the Warriors are usually in the bottom half of the table. As a result, they get the referees befitting of their position on the table. Uh, that is from Kevin. Uh, Carl says, in Aussie rules, players were getting in the face of the umpires, so they started giving 50-metre penalties, which resulted in goals. The players have stopped doing it. 
uh, they're scared to even whisper. Um, it's you know it's it's really cool that you've come in. Uh, Carly uh, came back in and said red clay. Uh, we're talking about the tennis that we had just after eleven o'clock. Um, yeah, uh, I really ho- uh, he said what what did they say in the movie Field of Dreams? Build it and they will come. And here's one leading into what we want to do here very shortly, Logan, and that is uh, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. How are you meant to score more tries than the other team when there's a bias against your team? In all seriousness, it's the bunker that is stuffing it more than the refs, isn't it? That's from Richard. On the subject of Kevin, it's not that one. Um, We did have uh, Kevin. We didn't, but uh, staff had Kevin Campion on the show yesterday. Some good audio there. Mate, certainly as a player, I noticed a difference, yes. Um, We always just got uh, the short end of the stick. Um, And I remember one game in particular, I think Timmy Mander was... um, Timmy Mander was coaching, uh, sorry, refereeing the game, and some of the calls were just blatantly against us. And I said to him, you know, we're the better team here, Tim. We have we're working our butts off basically to to, uh, and we were still in the lead, you know. And you're not giving us a fair go. Please, I'm begging you, give us a fair go. And uh, it, it, look, it's not a, it's not a. Um, something that's just popped up. It's been, uh, you know, it's been us against them for a lot of years. What is it, Kempo? Is it is it New Zealand, Australia? I, I don't. I, I, 100%. I just don't think they want that. They don't want that trophy to, to leave leave Australia. They don't want it to travel over over the Tasman. Um, you know, I, I just that's the only reason um, I can see for it. That is interesting to think that um, you know he, he, there's a player, a highly respected player, highly respected in Australia as well. I might add. Um, but a, an ambassador for the Warriors Club who have remained very quiet throughout all this, you notice. Um, just uh, letting it play out in front of them, uh, even though uh, their major sponsor is uh, heavily involved in this at this point. But Kevin Campion uh, went on to say this. When you look at um, 2002, uh, making the grand final, yeah. and in 2011 as well, if the bias has always existed, what did we do then that we could learn from and implement now? Well, we won a lot of games then, and we got we got used to winning. You know, some teams, you look at St George, they're used to losing. You know, and they're yeah. they're, they're struggling uh, mentally. But uh, when you get used to winning, you know, everyone's up, and it only takes, you know, it takes five or six players in the team to have bad games, and you're going to lose. But you know, you can get away with one or two players having bad games and still win because you've got that uh, that winning culture. Uh, we're not far off it. Look, it's only our first year under the new coach. I think he's doing an outstanding job. He's a really good fella. I was um, in camp. I was at the captain run, uh, captain's run on on um, Friday, um, and we had some war- old Warriors legends there, Toops and um, Tooks. So, look, things are, you know, things are good at the club. You know, it's not time for panic. That's for sure. Um, we've just got to stick to our, stick to what we know. Trust the coach. Trust the players and. Uh, we're going to win more than we lose, that's for sure. Mm, okay. Uh, the final word, I, I think, uh, oh, oh, here's uh, some final words coming in. Stop it, blah, 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 it's just a game. If they want to win, score more points. Uh, very interesting aspect, that. Uh, hi, Smithy. Um, I, the Warriors fans have for 20 years moaned about the refs. It, just, it does happen to other teams as well. Get over it. Uh, just go and get more tries. Um, okay, that's uh, Anthony. Uh, different text, but uh, same theory. Um, Albie says the texters who said the NRL will have to prove their refs are not unconsciously biased, doesn't know the defamation laws. The onus is on Jason Parrott. 
Paris to prove that they are. Uh, that is interesting. Um, uh, I believe, uh, a long text here, but uh, interesting one, I believe all Paris has achieved to, is to stir up the frustrations that many of us had have had for years across most of, not all, sports against Australian teams. Their bias and at times outright cheating has always been there. This is a text, that, not our words. Uh, I would argue it's embedded in their sports culture as you have experienced many times myself. Well, you certainly, um, I've looked at cricket umpires over the years and said, where'd you get that decision from? Um, what Paris has done is uh, provided a platform to vent it. It won't do us any good in the long run and I believe will exasperate, exacerbate the problem. That's a tough one for even me. Uh, a dysfunctional family uh, can call each other out, uh, but uh, watch out how they unite when attacked from the outside. Uh, like it or not, if we are going to be involved in Australian sport, I believe we will have to live with this and uh, live happier if we just absolutely accept that it's never going to change. 11.52 here on SNZ.